1: The T-Biz Podcast delivers tea news that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers bringing authentic, authoritative, exotic, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands. Each week, the T Biz podcast summarizes news with the greatest impact on the tea industry. But tea requires far more nuanced coverage than the recitation of production volumes and commodity prices. That is why the T Biz podcast is paired with the more inclusive T Biz blog and Tea Journey magazine. The podcast offers a weekly mix of news and features. It is innovative and interactive permitting listeners to conveniently contact reporters at origin to ask questions that are answered via text messages that are delivered privately to their phone. Welcome and Happy Easter! This weekend is also King Ming, a Chinese festival honoring ancestors, and it's the official start of the tea season. Here are the headlines. Suez Ship Jam Delays Tea Deliveries Tea aisle sales stand out in grocery, and a tea retail realignment is underway. More in a minute, but first, this important message.
2: Avani empowers rural women practicing sustainable agriculture, including tea and crafts such as weaving with natural fiber and plant-based dyes. Up in the towering Himalayas. Kuman is one of India's oldest tea regions. Today, we raise our cups in the name of Avani Kuman, a non-profit dedicated to strengthening farming communities. Cheers to a brighter future for all. To donate, visit avani-kuman.org.
1: The reliability of ships arriving on time was at record lows before the March 24th Suez Canal ship jam delayed a significant amount of coffee and tea bound mainly for Europe. The Van Rees Group, based in Rotterdam, continues to track 80 containers of tea on 15 vessels that remained stalled or were rerouted at sea. Logistics firm Sea Intelligence estimates arrival reliability declined to 35% in February and reports an average delay of 6.76 days, the highest delay ever. Refloating the gigantic container ship ever given averted chaos as supplies at year-end dwindled, but recovery will take a few weeks as 350 ships make their way through the canal at a pace of 80 ships per day. The blockage will also prevent empty shipping containers from being returned to Asia, adding to a container shortage caused by rising demand for consumer goods during the panic. Business Insight In the orderly world of logistics, nothing is going as planned. Ports are designed to unload ships at an even pace. Hundreds of vessels arriving all at once at the same Western European destinations will create bottlenecks at terminals in Antwerp, Rotterdam, and Hamburg, where most tea is offloaded. Port authorities say they are now experiencing a lull before the rush. Tea stands out in the grocery aisle. Stayed and steady center aisle categories like tea rarely accelerated growth rates faster than advertising-driven, fast-moving consumer goods categories. But that's exactly what happened in 2020. Last April, sales of tea bags in U.S. grocery and department stores grew by 12% year-over-year, According to Chicago-based market research firm IRI, growth held steady at 12.3% for the year. Sales of tea and tea bags totaled $250 million in the 52 weeks ending February 2021. In Canada, hot tea sales grew by 18% through January, compared to 11% growth in fast-moving goods overall, according to Nielsen Research shared by the Tea and Herbal Association of Canada. Globally, sales of packaged goods and beverages have fully recovered to pre-pandemic levels. Business Insight. Consumer surveys show that comfort and relaxation and lifestyle reasons in general motivate tea purchases, with immunity and mental health and just keeping warm among the top five reasons people bought tea during lockdowns. Consumer trends towards self-care and convenience are now more prominent than in last year's surveys, but the desire to spend more to indulge in premium tea and to create pleasant in-home experiences remains strong. Overall, the U.S. economy is still troubled. On Wednesday, the Conference Board reported that 62% of U.S. consumers, many of whom are facing economic uncertainty and income loss, are cutting back on spending overall. Frugality is one of three dominant priorities, along with a preference for digitally-enabled convenience and spending on health and wellness. Tata Consumer Products, owners of Tetley-branded tea, announced it has sold its stake in two U.S.-based joint tea ventures, parting ways with Empirical Group, a food service supplier, and Harris Tea Company's Southern Tea. Tata's CEO said so the company is consolidating to sharpen its focus in the U.S. coffee and tea market. Tetley is one of North America's highest-grossing tea brands. Business Insight. Kevin Gascon, a partner and spokesman for Camellia Sinensis Tea Retail in Montreal, writes the company will close its Emory Tea House after 22 years. Gascogne said that, like many firms, the pandemic forced the company to restructure and to reinvent itself to survive. Quote, In early 2022, we hope to present a new space offering a completely different client experience, a location where tea tasting and discovery are at the core of each visit. End quote, he said. Demand surged for CTCT at the Kochi Tea Auction. Orthodox teas for export to the Middle East and CIS countries also rose. Green teas from the Nilgiris are also commanding higher prices. Arvinda in Bengaluru brings us this week's Tea Price Report.
2: This is Arvinda Anantraman with India Price Watch for the week ending March 26th, sale 12. In Kochi, CTC dust enjoyed 91% demand. The main buyers were Kerala Supply Co. and other packeteers. Orthodox Dust saw less demand with buyers from North India and a few exporters. The average price was 164 rupees 15 se with 9% unsold. Orthodox Leaf saw good demand with 93% sold at an average price of Rs.175.17. The whole leaf Nilgiri's black tea found takers among exporters to CIS countries and the Middle East. Coimbatore also saw a higher leaf sale for orthodox tea with nearly 93% sold for an average price of Rs 175.22, while Kunur saw 87% sold at an average price of Rs 150.43 for the same category. In the South, combined dust and leaf sale was highest in Kochi for both average price and percentage sold. In CTCT, South India combined saw 2.8 million kilos on offer with 77% sold. Green tea commands better prices. A smaller volume of green tea, 691 kilos, was offered and 588 kilos picked up for an average price of 270 rupees 43 paise. No tea was auctioned in North India last week.
1: And now, a word from our sponsor.
3: Q Trade Teas works with tea purveyors at every scale, from promising startups to the world's largest multinational beverage brands in the hot, iced, and bottled tea segments. With U.S.-based formulation, blending, and packaging services, Q-Trade can help you innovate, scale up, and grow your specialty tea brand. For more information, visit our website,
4: QTradeTeas.com.
1: This week, T-Biz visits Scotland for a lesson on the history of the tea clipper ship's and a plan to revive the famous tea races from China to the UK with next-generation zero-emission sailcraft that may someday enable shippers who once switched from sail to steam 150 years ago to switch back to sail again. And we explore a realm that knows no bounds, the imagination of tea book authors, Listen as Kyle Whittington, founder of the Tea Book Club, presents the first in a series of crowdsourced book reviews. The Tea Book Club is a virtual adaptation of the Saturday afternoon tea and armchair get togethers we all miss. Members meet monthly as either teapot regulars or just a spoonful drop ins. A new book is introduced every two months. The first session is social with a book related theme or special guest. The second meetup is to discuss the book in detail. There are two time slots to accommodate the global community with recordings available and a group chat on Instagram. Email prompts during the month help you keep on pace. In this segment, Kyle introduces the club's favorite book of 2020. Tales of the Tea Trade by Michelle and Bob Cummins, two adventurous tea retailers from Bath, England, who recount their travels
3: to Origin. It was at this point that Mr. Toshiro gestured me to push my hand into the soil, which I did until I was past his elbow. The light, aerated soil offered little resistance. On removing my arm, I was instructed to taste the soil, which I did without hesitation. How could something that was growing such healthy plants be anything but good for me? It tasted sweet, soft and gritty. If it hadn't been gritty, I would probably have gone back for another handful. And that's a quote from Tales of the Tea Trade by Michelle and Rob Commons, voted our favourite book of the year in October 2020 by Tea Book Club members. I'm Carl Whittington from the UK and founder of Tea Book Club. We're an international group of tea lovers and readers who meet up online each month to discuss tea books. Tales of the Tea Trade was also shortlisted for the Andre Simmons Book Awards in 2020. Here are my thoughts on the book. After a general but thoughtfully written introduction to tea and its types, Michelle and Rob take us on a journey to the different countries they source their tea from. Taking turns to voice the stories, we hear from both Michelle and Rob, as well as the fascinating people they've met on their travels. This book is intensely human and heartfelt. You really feel a connection with Michelle and Rob their love of tea, the places they go, and the people they meet. The book is thoughtfully laid out so you know right away who is speaking and can easily pick out the stories from tea people alongside interesting asides such as baking their own oolong and people's relationships with tea. Countries are arranged in chronological order based on when they started growing and producing tea, a different and thoughtful approach. The book is easy to hop in and out of, reading sections that interest you if you're not a cover-to-cover reader. Overall, a pleasure to read and a must-add to any tea bookshelf. Now, I'd also like to share with you some thoughts and comments from our members. I absolutely loved the way they outlined the book, the flow, and I loved the bits at the end, such as the meditation. A lovely way to finish it. Definitely the storytelling, the personal connection. They put a face to the tea, they put people to the tea. I really enjoyed the chapter on Korean tea. I've never had Korean tea before, so it was really nice to immerse myself in that world. I like the table where you can see and compare the different harvest times depending on where they are and the different names of the picking seasons depending on where they are. Some things that came out of the book for our members. It made people more appreciative of the farmers, the work they put in and their care for the tea. Made them feel more mindful about the teas they buy. Another reader commented, Something that really got my attention was on tea preparation. They wrote that to taste tea really well requires people to have a quiet and compassionate heart a good reminder that tea requires one to be peaceful. If you'd like to join us for our next read, head over to teabookclub.org or join Teabook Club on Instagram.
1: Racing 2,000-ton, 200-foot-long, four-masted tall ships with a 30-man crew at speeds of up to 32 kilometers per hour from Shall China to London was a 99-day spectacle that rivaled today's FIFA World Cup. With a 10 pence per ton premium on top of the 5 pound per ton price of tea and a cash prize of a 100 sterling for the first captain to reach port, the race, and wagers in plenty, meant fortunes won and lost. From the first race in 1865 to the last in 1872, The public eagerly anticipated September when a glut of fresh tea first arrived. British and American clipper ships were the marvel of their day, but Scotland shipbuilders in Aberdeen on the River Clyde were the most renowned. The race of 1866 pitted 57 ships on a journey of 14,000 miles, with three contenders arriving within two hours on the same tide. The world's two fastest clippers, the Taiping and the Ariel, docked 28 minutes apart, the winning captain gallantly splitting the prize. David O'Neill is director of Falls of Clyde International, a non-profit vested in preserving Scotland's maritime heritage. The 200-foot-long Falls of Clyde is the last of the full-rigged iron-hulled clippers. It is designated a U.S. National Historic Landmark and moored as a maritime museum in Honolulu. However, it is no longer open to the public and needs 1.5 million in immediate repairs, or it will be scuttled.
4: I really see this project as a way to bring tea consumption to a global audience where it once was. It could attract global sponsors on a par with major ocean racing events and offer a boost to local communities and businesses in each of the cities along the way en route home. Importers, exporters, growers, retail and even tea drinkers and the media will follow this for reasons, ranging from heritage, tea of course, the environment and new technologies used in clean emission shipping around the world. It will truly be a spectacle and interactive experience for many. David, what
1: inspired you to resurface these famous races?
4: I was around, I think, nine years old in primary school here in Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, we had a book, a book of adventures and stories, and one of the episodes, if you like, that I picked up was a book on a series of the story of the Cutty Sark versus the Thermopylae. That story of uh, adversity... Man Against the Elements and this Clyde-built, super-fast sailing ship racing another one home to the UK. The story had excitement, disappointment, danger, and it captured the hugeness of the sea to me as a nine-year-old kid. And also showed how clever people could be and that we were able to be smart and innovative to solve problems. Um, oh, I suppose, lessons that I learned in life and ones that I've actually passed on to my own kids. Her ship was built in Port Glasgow in 1878. Once she's returned to Scotland, she'll be rebuilt to meet today's standard of structural integrity and to meet, again, safety standards for most modern ships. To celebrate her rebirth, what better way to show the world what Clyde-built heritage means than by recreating the T-Race. This way we get to promote clean emissions shipping as both vessels will be converted to all-electric or hybrid clean fuel mix. And we see an opportunity to have this as an annual event, challenging additional vessels each year to join in, eventually aiming to have a large fleet of sailing ships in the future taking part, all because of tea.
1: Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-biz journalists and T-experts? Contact them direct through Subtext, a private message-based platform.
3: Avoid the chaos of social media and start a conversation that matters. Subtext's message-based platform lets you privately ask meaningful questions of the T-experts, academics, and T-biz journalists reporting from the T-lands. You see their responses via SMS texts, which are sent direct to your phone. Visit our website and subscribe to Subtext to instantly connect with the most connected people in T.
1: Remember to visit the TBiz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week.